and more so. There is a place waiting for you after this life. And many a person would be benefit to understand that reality. Back in the days of King Jehoshaphat, he was kind of wishy-washy, but Jehoshaphat overall was a pretty good guy. However, before chapter 20, we see that Jehoshaphat went to war with uh, King Ahab. Only because King Ahab asked him. He says, hey, we got a battle to fight. I want you to come with me. And Jehoshaphat says, why wouldn't I? I've got all the resources. I've got all the horses. I've got all the men. I've got all the weapons. Absolutely, everything I've got is, everything I've got is yours. Just like a marriage. I will support you. And they went in even though the prophets for God said, you're going to die. Jehoshaphat, you're going, you're going to get hurt. Ahab, you're going, to, you're going to die. Ahab said, I told you not to ask that guy. I told you that prophet, he always speaks negative about me. Jehoshaphat says, oh, don't worry about him. God's got you. They went in. Long story short, Ahab dies. We meet up with Jehoshaphat here. And in chapters 18 and 19, things are going great for him. He is the king of the southern kingdom in Judah. And his buddy Ahab is now dead. So he's got the whole shebang, north and south kingdoms. He's got Israel. He's got Judah. He's walking around the streets. He's trying to convince people to follow God. He has people say to him things like, why do you talk to such destitute people? Why do you even care about them? And he talks about why we love to other people and you know, unconditional love. He's a pretty good guy. He's got it going on. You know, he learns, and he's learned some lessons, I think, by relying on his own intuition rather than going to God. So things are going well in the kingdom. Then all of a sudden, in chapter 20 of Second Chronicles, we read this. After this, after this time of peace, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Listen to this. Some messengers came, I can imagine, probably not real excited, like, hey, you, you go, you go to tell Jehoshaphat what's going on because he's in a really good mood. He's not going to be in a very good mood after you tell him what's going on. So the messengers came. They told him, it says, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. There are, they are already at Hazan Tamar. This was another name for Engedi. What they were saying, if you follow the geography, is they were coming in from the backside and planning a secret attack. Not one army, not two armies, but three armies. Now, Jehoshaphat's probably thinking, I can handle one, possibly two, not three. It's a possibility. Just when things were starting to go, his way. Let's skip on down now, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about the stuff in between, but I want to get to the, the key passage of Scripture here. And I'm going to jump down to verse 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 16. Listen to this. God says, Tomorrow march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeru. And in verse 17, it says this. Listen, speaking to you and to me, speaking to Israel, speaking to Judah, speaking to 
followers of Jesus. You will not need to fight this battle. Listen to what he said. You will not need to fight this battle. He says, stand firm. Hold your position. And see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Wow. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not not be dismayed. I love this. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Folks, there are many people today fighting a battle that has snuck up on you. It's not a battle that you asked for. It's not a battle that you pursued. In fact, you were living life to the fullest and when things were going great, and if you're old enough to know, when things are going great, I get a little bit cautious. Because here it comes. Maybe that's not the right way to view it biblically, but that's the way naturally I feel sometimes. Things are just too good right now. And oftentimes, if you've lived at all, if you've taken a breath and call yourself a human being, there are battles that you face that you had nothing to do with. You didn't bring them up. You didn't cause it. You don't deserve it. You don't know why you're in the middle of it. But all of a sudden you find yourself in the impossibility of a battle that you simply don't know what to do with. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's medicinal. Maybe it's psychological. Maybe it's social, relational. Maybe it's any number of things that aren't defined here, but we all have battles that we can't control. And the part of the lesson here this morning is choose your battles. But also understand that sometimes we don't choose battles, but battles choose us. Did you hear me, congregation? Sometimes you find yourself in a battle you had nothing to do with but you're directly affected by it. What do you do? It's very hard. I gave you the history of Ahab and Jehoshaphat because originally Jehoshaphat, just like you and me, relied upon the advice of his friends and his neighbors and his soldiers and his leaders and his priests and his prophets and all those things. But ultimately, he went with his gut and said to Ahab, hey, you want to take down those people in that particular territory? You want to take down those evil ones? I'll help you. Jehoshaphat did tell Ahab a number of times, don't you think we should seek godly counsel on this? Finally, Ahab agreed to the godly counsel. And finally, we get out of those three or four chapters there prior to this. They're basically told, not basically, they are told, uh, not a good plan. You, you need to not go into this battle. You need to let God fight it. Ah, Ahab says, I'm going in. What's interesting is that really Ahab set Jehoshaphat up. Ahab said, I'll tell you what. He says, I'm going to dress like the rest of the soldiers so they don't know that I'm the king. But you go ahead, Jehoshaphat. You go ahead and dress up in your kingly attire. And sure enough, the Moabites in that group that wanted to fight against them said, kill the king first. So they're naturally looking for somebody that looks like a king. And when they went after Jehoshaphat, 
who he was dressed like the king on his horse. God kept them from coming to him. Nothing happened to Hosea, but yet a rogue arrow struck Ahab, who was dressed like a soldier, and killed him dead. Interesting story. Jehoshaphat, again, during this time of peace, and then these three messengers, or these messengers come up to him and say, hey, uh, you got some folks sneaking up the backside of the Dead Sea here, and it doesn't look good. Hmm. Now listen, I'm going to read some scripture for you so that it's very important we have the whole context here, okay? Verse 3 of chapter 20 says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. And this is the right response, folks. The fasting is not necessarily what you and I need to do in the situation, although that's recommended. The idea here is they went to the Lord. They gave it to God. Okay? They went to the Lord first. They began fasting. They sought the Lord's help. And Jehoshaphat, in verse 5, stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord. And he prayed. Listen to what he says. O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of earth. You are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. He does the right thing. As Lord God, you are in your kingdom. Lord God, you are in heaven. You are the ruler of all of these kingdoms. And he says, oh God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built the temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored, we can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. And listen to this, verse 10. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You, you would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Stop for a moment. History lesson. Things can be overlooked in Scripture very easily. Things were going well things suddenly start to turn bad. Jehoshaphat recognizes God and he also challenges God. If you know anything about the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meonites, they are all descendants of Esau. Who's Esau? The older twin brother of Jacob. Jacob and Esau. Their father is Isaac. Who's Isaac's father? Abraham, when he gave them the land after 40 years in the wilderness, okay, follow me, there was a certain section of land that belonged to Esau's descendants. They happened to be the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meonites. They said, you can't have that land because God watches over all of his creation. Esau wasn't perfect. But Esau and his clan were still upset that Jacob tricked mom and dad. And Jacob got the inheritance. At the time, God said, okay, when we go into the new land, I'm going to reserve this area for Esau, now known as the Edomites. And throughout all of history, the Edomites tried to take out Judah and Israel. This is where we see it in 2 Chronicles. 
Jehoshaphat's aware of this. He says, verse 10, let me read it again. It'll make more sense to you. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zir, the Ammonites or the uh, Edomites, are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt, so they went around and they did not destroy them, so they didn't destroy them. What he's saying to God is, this is your fault. You didn't give us, you, you, you let them live there. It sounds like at first Jehoshaphat is being very respectful of God and acknowledging who God is, but then almost tongue-in-cheek he's saying, God, you know what? I've read the history. If you'd allowed us to take them out, when we first came into the land, we wouldn't be having this problem and my peace wouldn't be disrupted. Have you ever felt that way? Not necessarily towards God, but you think, if that hadn't happened in my life, I told you, if you didn't do, if you did that, this was going to happen. Men, we do that a lot. Maybe you do too, ladies. I don't know, but I'm just speaking from a man because I am a man, that's all I know, and I do do this. Sometimes I get so worked up about what could happen if he or she does this, and then when it actually does, I say, see, I told you. I knew that was going to happen. But the reality of it is most times it doesn't happen, but we're so worked up about it, right? That's another sermon another day. But this is what Jehoshaphat is saying. He says, listen, God, you're God, you're sovereign, you're good. I'm telling people about you. I'm, I'm, at, I'm at peace and you're interrupting my peace. You're interrupting my kingdom here. We love you. We're doing all these things. We're fasting. We're praying. We're coming to you. I'm listening to the prophets. I'm listening to everything you're saying. And yet now you're going to attack me from behind? If my messengers hadn't told me this, I wouldn't have even known. And they're your people that you allowed to come in. Folks, there are some battles that are too big for you. How do you know? When you can't handle it, when you too big for you, it is a battle that is meant for God. There have been many battles in your life. Maybe you're going through one right now. You go, I have absolutely no idea how to deal with this. I can't deal with it. I don't know what to do. Many of our battles surround changing someone's opinion or their personality or their behavior. I got news for you. You're not going to change anybody's behavior. You're not going to change anybody's addiction. You're not going to change the way anybody thinks about you because it's an issue of the heart. What those people need is not your influence, but they need worship. Worship's the answer. God has to get them right. We can lead them. We can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? You can lead somebody to Jesus, but you can't save them. That doesn't mean that we're not obligated to tell people about Jesus. It doesn't mean we're not obligated to tell children about Jesus. We have no idea if we're going to have five kids or 50 kids. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I don't know. But we need to be prepared to tell all of them about Jesus. One of them might be the next Billy Graham. One thing's for sure in my years of ministry, I've heard story after story about adults our age saying, I remember when I was in VBS. I remember being saved. I remember coming to the Lord. And they're still in church. Saving all of the children in this community is not your battle. That's God's. 
Our role is to bring them. To provide an opportunity, even to that degree, God will bring them. It's God's battle. It's not yours. There's some people in your life, perhaps right now, that you wish they'd change the way they are. But you know, you can't. All you can do is be a good example. That's not your battle. Some battles just weren't meant to be fought by you and me. He goes on and he says in verse 11, now see, now see how they re reward us. He's, he's being kind of smart alecky here. He's talking to God. He says, you're the one to let him in. He says, you didn't allow us to destroy him. He says, now see how they reward us. He says, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We're powerless against the mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking for you to help. Listen to what is said there. Read between the lines. Read how it affects you today. Oh, our God, won't you stop it? Won't you stop them? Won't you stop her? Won't you stop him? We are, I am powerless against this mighty army. I am powerless against this disease. I am powerless against this institution. I am powerless against this culture. You know, sometimes too many Christians spend too much time trying to make a case on Facebook or social argument to make their case that they're trying to fight that battle to somebody you don't even know and you got a battle at home of your own. My heart has got enough battles that I have to deal with at home and in my life. I don't need to try to fight somebody else's battle just so I can make them believe me so they can become my friend. Because quite honestly, who wants a fool as a friend anyway? The Bible tells us there's a time and a place for that and sometimes you just need to kick off your shoes and you've got to walk on down the road. It doesn't mean we don't love somebody, but part of that is it's not your job to, have, to make other people's lives peaceful in lieu of the peace in your life. God says, don't forget your peace. Don't forget you. He says, you can try all you want to fight somebody else's battle, but ultimately they've got to fight it. Or God's got to fight it. He says, we're powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. I do not know what to do, but I am looking for you to help. Have you ever felt that way? I don't know what to do here. When you don't know what to do, it's not your battle. In this situation here, God allowed Esau's descendants to have the land. God allowed this to happen. All God is saying, and he says it later as we read the first thing, stand still. Don't worry. Don't be disheartened. I will give you victory. Sometimes we spend so much time worrying about a situation. Even in prayer, there's nothing wrong with prayer, but we spend so much time worrying about a situation to no effect. It does nothing but drain us. It, 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 it stresses us. It physically affects us. It mentally affects us. It affects our behavior. It affects us uh, mentally and physically. And then you find out at the end, oh, everything turned out okay. Most things in your life are not a big deal. Try to keep the small things small and the big things big. Choose your battles. 
recognizing, and oftentimes some battles choose you. And it's not fun. Verse 13, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, listen, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, came upon one of the men standing there. His name is Jehazael, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, and a Levite, who was the descendant of Aspha. Why are these things important? It's always important to know the lineage. Why even bother reading their names? Because these all point to specific individuals and specific relationships and promises God has made. In your battle, it's okay to remind God of his promise. God, you said in your word, you do this. God, you said to stand. God, you said you'd save. God, you said you'd heal. God, you said you'd provide. Not for the purpose of reminding God, but for reminding you. Does that make sense? You repeat the promises of God, not for God's benefit, but for your benefit. To remind you of God's truth. To remind you of his promises. God is good. And he's righteous. But he's also a God of wrath. Jesus said, I have gone and prepared a place for you. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I prepare a place for you. He is prepared and is preparing a place for each of you. Remember that. Our battles are not in the flesh oftentimes, but in the spiritual realm. Among principalities of darkness that you and I can't see. You need to understand the context of the battle in which you're in. How did it originate? Where did it come from? What can I do? And if you go, there's nothing I can do, then it's God's battle. It's God's battle. And I really think so many of us in our lives, as we look back, if we'd have just given that acknowledgement at the time, we'd be a lot less stressed out and a lot less gray hair. Really. All of us, all of us, I've got, I, could, I could spend the next two hours giving you story after story of my own life, and I'm not going to bore you to death, of how God intervened, and you go, I don't even know how that happened. Why are we surprised as Christians that God intervenes? Why do we act so surprised? He's intervening all the time. Sometimes, though, we're looking for a burning bush or a talking donkey. What you need to be looking at is the man on the cross. He died for your sins and my sins. He did the impossible. Possible for him, but not for you and for me. He's the new covenant in his blood and his body. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through the Son. He says, I fought your battle. As much as Peter and John and all the rest of the disciples as they watched Jesus being tortured and hung on a cross. Don't you think as human beings they were thinking to themselves, this isn't right. We've got to do something. We've got to arm up. We've got to get our swords. And time and time again, Jesus says, no. Put down your sword. This must come to pass. This is not your battle. 
It was never our battle, but it was a battle for us. And the only victory possible was through Jesus. When you find yourself in the middle of a crisis, no matter how big or small, because honestly, some of you and me, we take really small, piddly things and we make it a major crisis, and it's not. Stop! He gave us peace and joy and contentment that goes beyond all understanding, but you have to give it to Him. You have to be willing to give it to Him and recognize the source of your power is not you. It's in Jesus. And it's real. Folks, it's real. Okay? The Holy Spirit living within you is real. And I know there's some terrible, crazy things that happen in the world today, but I'm telling you, if there were no God, it'd be a lot worse. If there was no God and no Jesus for me to put my faith and trust in, why would I bother doing what I'm doing? Why would I even be nice to people? Why would I just cheat people, rob people, get as much money as I could, as much food as I could to take care of my family? Because if, if we're just biological soup, what's the point? People who don't believe in God, even atheists, will acknowledge that there is right and there is wrong. My question to you, or my, my comment to them is, based on who? Based on what? You? Based on your idea of what's right and what's wrong? Because last week you weren't such a nice person. Maybe you weren't in such a good mood. Maybe you weren't as forgiving. You see what I'm saying? There is an absolute truth and that absolute truth is in God. Even the fact that we have jails in America where we incarcerate people tells us there is a God. You go, wow, what? Yeah, because that means there is ultimately a right and a wrong that our society has settled that. We've said, if you do this, it's bad enough, we're going to send you for this long. Well, who decided that? You? No. It all comes down from God. It's all so logical, folks. I don't know I'm getting away from the Bible, but it's logical that God exists because if he didn't, let me tell you something, this would literally be hell on earth. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what hell is, the absence of God. Can you imagine if our world had no moral controls at all, how out of control it would be? It's, it's out of control now, but can you imagine how much worse it would be if everybody was just for each other? We've got to acknowledge God. Fortunately for us, there's still a remnant of people on this planet, a significant number, that acknowledge God. That acknowledge God. God is fighting many of your battles every day and you don't even realize it. There have been many battles in my life. Few of them, can I honestly say, at the time I knew it was God. Few of them. Hopefully you have a few you go, I knew at the time. God was in this. It was too big for me to deal with. I'm going to follow God. Very quickly, I want to tell you this story and I'll let you go because I know it's 29 minutes. When I got fired back in 2018, that day, I went to the church in Murrayville, praising God, worshiping God, 
because this was too big. As I sat at that boardroom table and they said, we've got to separate ways, I was like, oh my gosh. Peace came over me. God was in control. I believe that. I put my faith in that. 40 days from that day, I got hired on with Dot Transportation. 40 days. On the first day that I started, when I went in and met the president of the company, he called me by my first name, Christopher Ketchum. Because there was another safety guy there named Scott. It would have been terribly confusing to have two Scots in the same department. So he said, we're just going to call you Chris. In my backpack, in my car, I can show you a, a name tag that for two years people called me Chris. Why did I tell you that? Because when you've been called Scott your entire life, you lose your job and 40 days later you get a new job and you put all your faith and trust in God. He gave me a new name for a period of time. I know it wasn't a new name, but it was. Every one of those people across the river to this day call me Chris. I was a different person to them. God will do the same for you. He'll make you a new person. Just let him fight the battle. And things will work out for you. Lord God, thank you that you are in control. Lord God, thank you that you take responsibility for everything that you create and that what Jehoshaphat said to you was not a surprise. You had planted that way. And when he came to you, it made you so, so happy that he and all of his kingdom followed you. And what we didn't read, Lord God, is you gave them victory. How? <laughs> they went out and sang a song ahead of the troops and all the other troops got so Confused, they started fighting amongst themselves, and by the time the soldiers showed up, they were all dead. Didn't have to pull a single weapon. You give us this illustration to show us, Lord, that some battles are yours, and that you indeed will take care of us. Sometimes we're just called to stand and pray and have faith. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.